0: Today, on a very special episode of The One Upbeat, we dedicate an entire episode to the music of Final Fantasy VII, Nobuo Uematsu's Masterpiece. We're joined in studio for the first time by our first live guest, and we'll be going over four different arrangement soundtracks from the Final Fantasy VII series. So kick back, relax, and get ready for an entire episode of Final Fantasy VII. Thanks for listening to this episode of The One Upbeat, focused entirely on the music of Final Fantasy VII. Today, we're excited to have our first discussion episode, and we're joined by journalist, writer, and Tetsuya Nomura's number one fan, Ash Short. Thanks for being here.
1: You included the Tetsuya part.
0: Yeah, I know. I had to. (laughs) So we're going to talk about Final Fantasy VII. You are a self-proclaimed expert.
1: And you sound like you
0: actually know what you're talking about much more than I do. And the reason that I wanted to have you on is because... I don't really know the game very well. I played Mm -hmm. it once and that was, I think I was talking to you about it at the time because I knew you were a huge fan of it.
1: You kept asking me for, oh, what's gonna happen with this? And it's like, I'm not telling you what's happening next. Play the game.
0: Yeah, it was one of those games where at the time I had like a friend with a PlayStation. I was like Mm -hmm. the one person in the world. I wasn't one of the 100 million who had it. And I would just like play like the first like, not even the full bombing run, just like that first part over and over and over again. (laughs) And I think with any game, when you hit a certain point of playing the first part of it so many times, you could just never get past it. There's just some games like that. So this was like, I don't know what, maybe I was sick for a weekend and I decided to finally just like focus in and finish it up. And I want to say that was like 2016 or something like that. Mm -hmm. 2016, 2017, something like that. But I don't know it as well as you do. It's not like ingrained into my childhood it's not one of those things that I just know intimately. And I, there are a lot of games that I had that with, and Final Fantasy VII is not one of them. Um, there are others. But this year, Final yeah. Fantasy VII's remake came out. And it's an opportunity to really highlight the music because Final Fantasy VII is one of those games where the music just kind of transcends the game as well. Yeah. It, uh, people know it. Like, um, for example, yesterday was the Game Awards. I'll I'll date the show a little, it's December 11th so yesterday was the Game Awards and when they did the reveal for Severoth coming to Smash Bros, they didn't even show him they just played One (laughs) Winged Angel and people knew exactly what was going on like people knew who you were talking about just from that so it's a really special game for a lot of people, gameplay wise and I would even say that it's a really special game for me musically but game wise, I don't know it as well so I wanted to bring on an expert and that was my long introduction so start blabbering on for a little bit (laughs)
1: Right. I mean, I, uh, I, my brother got the game when it first came out, and I, I had no idea anything about it. And of course, it's, you know, the original PlayStation with those kinds of graphics. But uh, before that, I mean, I, I, we had the Nintendo 64, so I was playing Mario 64, and I loved that. So I had 3D graphics and everything. But there was something about when I watched him play the opening, and I kind of remember like, the moment that Barrett starts uh, talking about the planet and, uh, you know, Shinra destroying the planet with Mako energy, I I don't know. I just got really interested in the story. And then uh, once you meet Tifa, like, I don't know, she became my favorite fictional character, like of all time. And I don't know at what point my, brother lost control of the PlayStation to me, and I ended up playing the heck out of that game over and over and over and over and over. Um, I don't think I ever... Yeah, I do. I basically play it every at least once a year. I played it earlier this year before the remake came out. I played it again just like a month or two ago. Um, I unfortunately have it... have purchased this game now on on pretty much every system i have it on my ps4 i have it on my switch i have it on my ipad um had it on you know disc had it on probably have it on the computer yeah i was gonna say do you have it on pc
0: like the old yeah i mean the thing
1: is like i always wanted to do pc so that i could do all of the mods on it but i need a new gaming pc and the will to to go through all of those mods and to do all of the work that's required to, you know, uh, update graphics and everything, which is something that I want to do because yes, I love the remake and I love it, but there, you know, there's changes in it. And so part of me does want to play the original with just better graphics.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I think the, I think the version I played was the PS4 version, which was based on the PC version.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Every re-release of it is, Uh, based on that PC version, kind of an an emulator. So that's why all of the issues that existed there came over, these issues that didn't exist in the original PlayStation version. Yeah.
0: But um, what we're going to do is we're going to basically, we're going to play music from the game, and there are four different releases of music from Final Fantasy VII. And it's funny because...
1: Well, there's more than that.
0: Well, yeah. We're going to (laughs) use these four just because (laughs) I like them. They're, They're... different enough they're different in style enough i think they've been like at least four releases of final fantasy 7 music this year alone with the remake
1: right they're they're insane we had the jazz collections we had piano we had uh, i mean another orchestral we had the remake we had remake i don't know was there like a live version or something like i i I just because they were doing the symphony even though it got canceled or pushed back because of covid but it was like yeah there was a lot coming out this year there was an
0: acoustic arrangement version i think that's yes, the most the recent acoustic. one so that's uh, that the remake the jazz one the orchestral one that's like four right there yeah. and i think there were like two or three different releases of the remakes soundtrack alone which was like but that's how important it is like the, they're not going to put out a product and people aren't going to buy it right so
1: yeah i had some of the the different versions i ended up playing at my wedding i had the jazz version of Tifa's theme, Play at My Wedding. I had the remake um, song Hollow Skies, which is the uh, instrumental version of the the song Hollow that plays during the credits with words that uh, Nobu Yamatsu wrote for the remake. Um, or actually, I learned recently he wrote it for the original game and it didn't make it in there. So the words, I guess it was all you know done for remake or whatever.
0: Oh, really? I didn't yeah. know that.
1: Yeah, I, like, just read that, like, two days ago. So it, um, was this,
0: the song itself was supposed to be for the original game, but, or, or was it just For the whatever
1: lyrics? reason, um, the song, I think. I think the lyrics, too, um, I was reading, because, you know, as far as all of the different songs in the remake and in 7, and, you know, I'm not one of those you know, I play the piano. I've played the piano since I was about ten, nine or 10 years old. I play mostly Final Fantasy music, almost, actually almost exclusively, but, you know, I play the Jurassic Park theme sometimes. But anyway, so, but I'm not one of those, like, musically inclined people like you who can listen to a track and, like, get so much insight from it. I mean, I'm I'm not uh, the person that listened to the Breath of the Wild, Divine Beast music and found the S.O.S. theme and came up with this entire theory you know like I like I'm not that but as far as the song Hollow goes I kind of did listen to it enough and the words and kind of think okay well you know the whole game there's this kind of love triangle if you want where it's like does Cloud love aerith does Cloud love Tifa, and then you know if you really are so inclined you can question whether he loves Barrett or Yuffie but um, in you know, for me, it was always just between Aerith and Tifa. And I'm team Tifa all the way. So everything is biased and skewed in that direction. So when I look at the the lyrics to Hollow, I'm trying to pick out, is this really all about Aerith or not? And it's like, when it says I see, you know, um, healing, the healing part, people are like, oh, well, that's clearly Aerith because of her limit breaks. It's like, yeah, but like, anyone can have healing materia so you know it's it's not really quite directed and it's like there's your shining face and it's like well how many times in remake does cloud wake up and see tifa first you know like how many times is she there for him so i you know but then finding out that it was written for the original game and the original game was uh a lot more inclined toward Aerith. um which was a little upsetting for me. But, you know, I played the game a different way. So I was inclined if, toward Tifa. But, I wonder if that yeah.
0: was a thing, just to interrupt you a little bit, it was a technical thing? Like maybe they just weren't happy with how it sounded at the time because there was no real like, like vocal song track in 7. It wasn't until 8. One wing,
1: yeah, One Wing and Angel did. It had the, yeah. the Latin lyrics mm-hmm. um, for, you know, Sephiroth. But Which they, is one of those, like everyone knows One Winged Angel, but also, like, if you just walk up to someone and, you know, a gamer and I'm like, Es una centrias, and they'll just be like, oh, you know, yeah. complete the lyrics. But yeah, it wasn't until eight that they had, you know, Eyes on Me. Eyes on me, yeah. Which was like an actual full on song.
0: In a cutscene, like, played just straight recording. It's not MIDI or anything, right? So maybe yeah. that's why they put so much emphasis on that is because they couldn't get something like that going for seven.
1: Right. So I think the,
0: it was just too much. Yeah. So, I mean, that kind of actually goes into the first batch of music pretty uh, seamless because maybe it was a technical limitation, mm-hmm. but we still got three orchestral tracks out of the original game, which was really cool because there really wasn't anything like that at the time. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm sure there's someone like, eh, this game had so-and-so and then it was recorded live by a band in this game. Like, okay, that's not what I'm talking about. It was, it, at, in 1997, there wasn't a lot of live recorded orchestral music in games.
1: Right, I think the, the story is that Nobuyamatsu he basically had a, a, like a, a computerized system, or like you would have you know, a keyboard so he could take any sound, any instrument that he wanted, and put it, but it still got that MIDI track to it. So yeah, you can hear what would be different instruments, and it's not all just like this digital sound. You know, like you can hear strings in, in Aerith's theme right? Yeah. In the original game, but it's, um, it just, it, it just wasn't as clear as an actual recorded orchestra. Yeah.
0: So the, uh, the three pieces we got, I don't want to say songs cause I know people do that and th- we're not about that on this show.
1: Oh, but, I'm um, going to say song a lot cause I'm, I, know, I'm a but that's new...
0: a, well, I mean, I guess one when angel is a song, right? It's got yeah. lyrics. It's got singing in it, but, um, and it's 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 good that these three are the ones that are the orchestral ones that we're going to play in a little bit. It's the uh, main theme from Final Fantasy VII, which is just you know the one. It's the Overworld music, right? Mm-hmm. The um, Eris theme, which is beautiful, and, and by the orchestra when that when that hits that climax near the end, oh, it's it, there's a reason why you record that separately, right? Mm-hmm. and um, One-Winged Angel, obviously, which was the big one. That's the one everyone knows. Everyone knows that from everything. It's That's the big piece from the game. That's the one that kind of blew everyone away at the time because, you know, for a game you haven't heard anything like that. Yeah. Um, so just to go over a couple little things here, um, Final Fantasy VII uh, came out on January 31st, 1997 in Japan and September 7th, 1997 in the United States. And it says that as of April 2020, it sold 12.6 million copies, and that's not counting the remake, which is like, you know, yeah. at the time, that's that's a big deal. Like, you could have, a, like, I think Animal Crossing has already sold more than that, right? I think so. But, like, at the time, not as many people were playing games. That's a big deal. That's a big thing. Now, of course, that counts, like, you know, any re-releases and things like that, but it's still, that's a, that's a big number. The, yeah three orchestral tracks are from the Final Fantasy VII Reunion tracks, which came out October 22nd, 1997. So, it was a little bit after um, the game came to the U.S. And uh, I don't really know what the point of this soundtrack is. It's kind of like a Greatest Hits, but you get the three orchestral tracks in there also. So, I guess that's the way they kind of trick you into buying the soundtrack twice, right? (laughs) Which, I mean, it works. I mean, maybe they only had a limited print run of the Soundtrack the first time and this was an opportunity to print it again because it became so popular unexpectedly popular, right? Yeah Do you want to talk about these uh, these pieces at all the pieces not songs one song?
1: Yeah, so when um, so the main theme in particular, I mean this is um, Basically the world map theme is when you you hear this the most um, and this particular orchestral version, I, I really liked. Um, the main theme was never, you know, that important from the soundtrack for me because, you know, there was, there's so many, there's, you know, 50 something songs on it. So, you know, I have so many other favorites over the main theme, but I really do like this orchestral version better than the MIDI version which uh, I can't actually say the same for the Ars theme orchestral version here, and I'll get to that in a minute oh, you don't but like for it? the i I mean I like it, but uh there's there's there, I'll get to it in a minute <laughs> so in the the main theme i mean there's there's these there's more notes of hope with these underlying tones of foreboding, whereas the original MIDI track was pretty much just foreboding because what's happening is when you're on the the world map, you're traveling, you know, uh, you first kind of hear this when you leave Midgar and everything that just happened after Midgar and the world map in Final Fantasy VII, like, there wasn't a day-night cycle so there was kind of night over Midgar always and then you could get to day and when you came back around to Cosmo Canyon there'd be, you know, evening, right? But Midgar was darker so you've got this foreboding theme and then as the game progresses it gets you know the the theme feels darker and darker as you know we're heading toward the end of the world potentially right so so everybody's just got the seeing this meteor in the in the sky everybody's terrified here's this music that's just so you know dark and and uh, almost scary but this orchestral version has these light little notes of hope throughout it and um about maybe halfway through maybe earlier there it it leads up to this this like wonderful crescendo and it that is so much lighter than the original track that that just shows you this kind of you know that hope that was that was always there that something was going to come and stop Meteor that you know they were going to save the world or or people you know it wasn't really the doom and gloom and then uh, the string edition um, it's just Adds this this majesty. That's just it, it's so beautiful. I, I really actually like this one. Um, getting into one winged angel, uh, it again captures the same notes, the same intensity, the same kind of intimidating um, rush that you got from the original MIDI track. You know, I, I mean, it's just it's just more intense. So it's, it's a really great track, and it's a really great version of One-Winged Angels. They didn't really stray too much from it, which I think might be why I don't like the orchestral version of Aerith's theme, because when you hear Aerith's theme, for the first time in the game, Elmira is talking about her husband dying and how she found Aerith, which honestly for me, I didn't realize that was Aerith's theme until like maybe my second playthrough, years after the original, because you had just met Aerith, Flowers Blooming in the Church was what was playing, which is, you know, a version has some of the same notes as her theme. Um, And so with Elmira, like, I knew there was a sad song playing in the background, but I, I didn't actually realize that it was actually Aerith's theme until years later. So. You know, the moment in the game when you really hear Eri's theme is with the, I guess I won't have a spoiler here. I mean, it's again, if you don't know what happens in this game halfway through, I mean, where have you been 20 years? But it's at the, the most tragic moment of the game, and it starts with just a couple notes, couple notes, couple notes, because like the materia is bouncing right? And it's very slow, like something major just happened. And now we've just got this kind of this slow build up where everybody is just, did that really happen? Did I really just see this? Oh my god, right? And then you get into uh, the strings and you get into the theme and it's louder. But this orchestral version kind of has the main theme of Aerith's theme, like right at the beginning. And then it builds up, but then it's, you know, kind of goes back to the, to the little, uh, the single notes that I talked about. And so I think it really loses that, um, you know, the, the, that feeling you get in the beginning where you're just kind of like thinking what is happening. You know, like to get it, the orchestral version just kind of like throws the theme right at you at the beginning. It's like, this is Eris' theme you're listening to rather than, you know, the original, which just kind of has that, like, you know, those little notes, soft little notes here, here, building up to it. Um, and my other point, like, so because this is the orchestral theme from 1997, it is not Ares theme in remake, which does recapture the original MIDI feeling that I described. But the problem for me in the remake is that Ares theme is overplayed, sadly. Like, it was a really powerful theme. And in all honesty, it was probably my favorite piece from the original Final Fantasy VII score and soundtrack. Like, I listened to this one all the time. I think when I finally got the the piano books, it might have been the, it was probably the, it was the first one that I tried to learn, right? Because, you know, being a depressed teenager, it's like the perfect song, you know, with like what happens in the game, with the way the song plays. I loved it. And so, I was actually disappointed that it was played so often in Remake. Because it, it loses that kind of mystique where you hear it when Elmira's talking, and then you hear it at the most pivotal moment of the game, and that's it. In Remake, it's like anytime Aerith's on screen, there's her theme. And it's like, why? Like, e- even at the, the, the ending credits, you hear Hollow, and then you hear Aerith's theme. And it's like, couldn't there have been, like, something else? Like, I know I love this song, but it's like, my God, like, it's everywhere. You barely hear Tifa's theme in the game, right? And it's like, just Aerith's theme is just everywhere. And, like, I get it. It's a popular song, but it's like, this is too much. You're diluting it.
0: That's just a directorial thing. But that's also a big complaint about the remake in general, right? Everything's just stretched out. And then you just have so much of the same thing going on over and over again, right? Not to get too much into the the remake well, like, itself, but...
1: Yeah, I mean, like, I won't say anything bad about the game. Like, there was character development in those long stretches. And yeah, some of it was annoying, but every Final Fantasy game has really annoying dungeons that you play through them and you're like, oh my gosh, this is taking forever. And then after you play the game, you're like, I never want to play that dungeon again. You know, every single one of them has that kind of... Memory for me in Final Fantasy VII, it was the Cave of the Gi in Cosmo Canyon, and the, Ni- the Shinra Mansion in Nibelheim. Even when I play the game now, and it's like it's so much easier for me, I dread those moments because I just remember how long they took me back in 1997.
0: It's a weird thing because I don't know the game as intimately as you do. Mm-hmm. To, so to think, to you know, to try to feel like what would that be like to like, would I love it? And would I be as comfortable with it now as you probably are, as I am with other games from that time. Like there are other games from that time that, you know, I'm really, that I was really into at the time. So they're very easy to just jump back into now.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And I'm sure like, you know, for me playing final fantasy seven was very difficult. Now it's just yeah. a hard game to get into the, for the first time today. And that's why there is, you know, there is value in the remake, but um you know, i'm sure a game like even like ocarina of time might not be so easy for people to get into today which is something well, that i'm very comfortable with now because i played right. it back then
1: well, i hated the dungeons in ocarina of time like so yeah. much i remember i'd always play the beginning i could get through the deku tree i liked it and then as soon as it was, it was like you know all the other temples i like handed the controller to my brother and i was like you do this i'm not
0: they That's were so how I was with boring
1: and tedious
0: yeah so uh, I guess this is a good time to get into the music. People are probably asleep by now if they're not interested in these topics. But, so we'll get into Why are you um,
1: listening to the podcast if uh, you wouldn't be into these topics?
0: I know, but you know, people are weird. Sometimes they hate listening, right? Yeah. So there's always that. So we're going to play the, um, the three orchestral tracks from the Final Fantasy VII Reunion tracks. Um, the orchestration is by Shiro Hamaguchi, mm-hmm. and it was conducted by Hiroshi Kumagi. Kumagai. You know, when you don't, when you're doing a a show live, you can't, you know, just get a do-over with some of these Japanese names. I'm not that skilled at pronouncing them, so this is the way it's going to go. So uh, we'll listen to these three tracks now, and uh, we'll catch you on the other side. I hope you enjoy it because it is very enjoyable. So please enjoy. Bye. we're back. Uh, that was Final Fantasy 7 Reunion Tracks. Uh, the next one we're gonna go over is the um, the Final Fantasy 7 Piano album, the Piano Collections, from 2003. And I was like, 2003? That's really strange. I looked it up. Final Fantasy 4 got a Piano Collections in 1992. 5 got it in 93. 6 got it in 94. And then 8 got it in 2000, 9 in 2001, 10 in 2002, and then 7 didn't get one until 2003. That's weird. Isn't that strange? Because you'd think that would be the one where they'd be like, hey, this game is pretty popular. Maybe we want to make you know, more stuff right. for, for people to get. So yeah, it was, yeah, I had to look that up again. and you know, Part try to... of me
1: wants to think that it was, or part of me doesn't want to think, but uh, what was it? 2005 was the tech demo for the Playstation 3 where they used the opening of Final Fantasy 7 and then everybody was like are they going to remake 7 like with new technology and everything and so I just feel like so much of things dealing with 7 were meant to trick people or like hey maybe we're gonna do a remake pay attention to us look it here's the piano themes coming out so much later
0: you think it was leading up to that, and then the the tech demo from 15 years ago was going to be something sooner than I mean, 15 well, like, years.
1: Yeah. So, oh, so I thought that I think that they were always going to do this, right? And that all of their excuses were just so that they were waiting until it was just it was going to be really, really good, maybe, or. Because they had excuses that were like, no, we want to make a game that's going to outsell, outperform Seven before we remake it, right? Or there was the time when, um, who was it? Was it Square Enix's president or somebody was like giving a press conference and was asked about it. And they're like, we have no plans for it. And then he gave this little look that was just kind of like clearly saying, "Yet, right. And so, yeah, that was around the tech demo because there was so much conversation about why would you choose this game? You know, like 10 and 10 had just come out. You could have used them, like how 8 was used for the PS2, right? But, uh, no. Oh, yeah, then, it was. Hmm. I, don't, I don't I forgot that. Yeah, there was the dance scene, I think. Yeah. Um... I actually did that dance at my wedding. (laughs) That was our dance. (laughs) But um, yeah, so I I don't know. There's a part of me that feels like Square Enix has been stringing us all along um, all these years waiting for the 20th anniversary, you know. Yeah, and it still took them too
0: long. (laughs) That's Right,
1: exactly. That was like, I wish that I had this on tape. Because in 2015, I was in the car with my family, talking to my brother. It was ahead of E3. And I was like, they're going to announce the Final Fantasy VII Remake this year. Like, I just know it. And it's like, there's no information. There's no rumors. There was nothing at that point. But I was like, they're going to do it. Like, I always had this belief they were going to remake the game. I always always knew in my heart they were going to, right? And I remember telling my brother, like, and they're going to announce it this year because the 20th anniversary is coming up in two years, you know, two years to finish making the game because they would have already had to have started, you know, and it will be released for the 20th anniversary. You know, I was wrong on the timing, but I was like, I was so right. Like, my brother, later that year during E3, he's like, turn into the PlayStation, Con- like, you know, the demo and I turned it on and was like they're announcing the remake and I was like, I was right. Oh my god, I wasn't right. I just have to believe.
0: I guess if you And then of course it enough, didn't right? come out
1: for another five years, five years so. yeah.
0: They're probably like, Yeah hey, we could get this done in two years and we'll have it out for the twentieth anniversary. <laughs> and it still took another three years after that. Yeah. So the uh, the piano collections is a great opportunity to talk about Tifa's theme because that's the first one that's gonna play it's tifa's theme ahead on our way ahead on our way farm boy and descendant of shinobi
1: so uh tifa's theme i i liked it in the original game but i love it now and in every version you know all of those different albums that we talked about earlier the jazz the strings you know acoustic like um i haven't listened to the acoustic one but in the other ones like tifa's theme has worked so well like the jazz version of it was really great i mean like i said i played it at my wedding um and the piano theme as well and i don't know why it just works so well in all these different you know versions but it does and in all honesty tifa's theme. I think is the biggest song improvement from the original game to the remake in my opinion right like I said earlier I'm team Tifa so there's going to be some bias there but like I said Aerith's theme was my was I liked it a lot in the original game now I really like Tifa's theme there's this um wonderful sadness to it that fits her character you know like there's hope and there's but there's also this despair of of all the things that this poor woman has gone through in her life, you know, that was kind of ignored because of what Aerith had gone through. Um, but like I listen to the remake version of her song, like on repeat when I'm writing. Uh and and there's this other thing that I've noticed in uh a lot of these versions, piano, remake, um Maybe it started in 2003 because I didn't really get it in the orchestral version from 1997 or the original. But it's almost like they've been Disney-fied. Like there's this, these, these Disney elements, qualities to some of these songs where like I hear something and I'm like, huh. And Tifa's theme in the remake, and I think the piano theme um, kind of touches on this, has this, this um, crescendo of like chimes. Kind of early that just makes me think of like the Disney princesses and their themes, uh, which, is, which is really nice. And this song is more rare or Tifa's theme is more rare in the remake than Aerith's theme to the point where it's kind of like, why? Like Tifa has so many more moments, honestly, than Aerith, but it's kind of nice not having her theme just constantly like she's on screen there. There's her music, you know, like it was with Aerith. But, uh, yeah, I really like the theme. It really works well on the piano. It's beautiful. It's sad, haunting. And, yeah, I, I absolutely love it.
0: I told you before that I really loved that opening chord yeah, of the piano version. And it's just, I don't know what it is. It's, it's one of those qualities that you can only get from a human player
1: mm-hmm. where
0: it was just each note of the chord is played so slowly and you just, you could feel every... Building on top of the previous note, it's yeah. just it's perfect. And to me, someone who doesn't know you know the characters as well as you do, as intimately as you do, it feels like the kind of um music for someone who's like they've they yeah, they've had a hard life, a hard go at it, right? Like you said, mm-hmm. but they're picking themselves up and just going on. It kind of has is, that feeling,
1: yeah, which is uh, absolutely. Tifa, I mean, she had her entire hometown destroyed when she was 15, lost her mother at a young age, lost her father when she lost her hometown, ends up in the slums of Midgar after living in this quaint little village of Nibelheim, living in the slums of Midgar, and when you meet her, she's just, you know, she's alive, and she's kind of like picking cloud up, right? She as we know from the original game, she found him at the train station when he was half dead um, after just losing, you know, Zack. But, um, you know, when you meet her, and, and her character was, was improved a lot in the remake as well, whereas everyone's always thinking, oh, Aerith is the bubbly, you know, you know kind of happy-go-lucky, optimistic one. Tifa was the more thoughtful, nervous, shy one. But in remake, like the the first time that you know, Cloud's around her, she's you know leaning over the bar counter. She's flirty. She's she's upbeat. You know, like a bartender has to be. But then when you're you're running errands with her and Cloud's kind of like, Ugh, you know, she's she's giving him you know like some guff for like being so mopey. You know, and and I see in so many reviews people talking about how Aerith was putting Cloud in his place, and I'm like. So was Tifa. What? Like they both were and and in the original game like Tifa didn't really do that with Cloud. She was more reactionary to him rather than you know any kind of trying to to pick him up as Aerith would whereas in the original game Aerith was very much like oh Cloud you're sad why don't you be really sad you know when she goes to the sleeping forest and she teases him and stuff in a way that Tifa really didn't, but in this game, Tifa's actually more like Aerith, um, honestly. Like, her character got a big improvement, but she still has those sad qualities of, you know, someone who's suffered so much at pivotal times in her life, you know, um, who doesn't have the benefit of being able to talk to her dead relatives like Aerith does, right? Um... So she still gets really sad. I mean, there was a point when we were in the the sewers in the remake where I was kind of like, all right, Tiva, stop bringing up the plate. Like, we get it. Like, was Don Corneo telling the truth? Okay, okay, we've had this discussion multiple times, you know, it was a little much. But, you know, her sadness and, and Cloud wanting to comfort her, you know, so much until he finally figures out how to hug, you know. If you get that particular uh, scene in the garden, which I always do is I'm just not going to watch Aris, or Barrett's version. But um, yeah, so so, uh, you know, like you said, like Tifa's theme has that in there. You know, there, there's this optimism in it and this beauty in it. But there's it's, it's also tragic.
0: Yeah. Um, I know you're a big Tifa fan, but do you have anything to say about the other tracks, too?
1: (laughs) Yes, yes, yes. Ahead on our way is uh, the theme that plays when you travel to Calm, which is the first village you visit after leaving Midgar. So about ten hours into the game, you finally make it to Calm and you hear Ahead on our way. Not the piano version, but you know, the piano version lends itself very well because it's a very simple theme It's a very much a pleasant starter town song, you know, I I, like, I feel like the starter towns in every Final Fantasy that I play, like those songs are get stuck in my head or or I'm able to recall them years later, much more than many, many other town songs in the game. So with Calm, with... um, was uh, the first town in Final Fantasy IX after you leave Alexandria and the swamp and everything when you make it there, like that one, or the village in um, Final Fantasy VIII where, where Zell grew up, or Besaid Island in Final Fantasy X, like those are all like kind of the same kind of villagey warmth to them. And so the piano you know, really captures that for calm and, you know, it's really nice. Uh, As for the farm boy version, I actually didn't like this on piano because the piano can be a wonderfully happy instrument and farm boy is a pretty upbeat tune because it's played when you go to the uh, Chocobo Ranch in Final Fantasy VII. And so Chocobo themes, which, we have one that we'll discuss a little bit when we talk about distant worlds, and I have issues with that as well, is that the chocobo theme is always like, you know, super upbeat, super just like playful, right? Like you're riding a chocobo, like, oh, my God, this is amazing, right? And so that's kind of what's going through your head every time you hear this song. And Farm Boy was kind of a mix between, you know, the, the pleasant calmness of Ahead On Our Way and the, um, you know, the, the, the kind of uh, agitated but happy uh, Chocobo theme, right? And yet playing it on the piano, it's it's like sad. And it slowed down a lot to the point of, you know, it, it took me a few minutes to like really recognize it. And, you know, I like that they tried a different direction. I just don't think this was the song for it.
0: Yeah, that's one of the... Um It's one of the things about these piano albums is you get very different versions of, um, you know, it's the same tune. And if you try hard enough, you could figure it out. But, you know, sometimes it's experimental and it's very interesting. Like um, Besaid Island is a great example. I finally played 10 fairly recently. Mm -hmm. And I always really liked the piano version of Besaid Island, but it sounds Mm -hmm. nothing like the game. Right. And at first I was like... Uh, yeah, I could kind of see how that's a similar thing because I'm so familiar with the piano one almost more than the game version.
1: Right. And it, sometimes it, yeah. it works. I yeah. just don't think it does with, with Farm Boy. Uh, Descendant of Shinobi, which is essentially Yuffie's theme, um, is, is another one. I think it, it, it does better than Farm Boy as far as the, the what they were going for on the piano, but it loses a lot of the spunkiness of Yuffie um, and the song. And, and but there is like a childlike quality to the piece, which is you know because every Final Fantasy has that one female character that's like acts like a child, right? The <laughs> I, ones, right, Right. Yuffie, <laughs> Selfie, um, who was it in Nine? Iko, I guess, kind of. Um, and then in Ten, of course, Riku, and you know, moving on. But, uh, yeah, so, so Yuffie, even though, you know, she's 16, she acts kind of like she's 9, and, and this music is, I guess, a bit more adult-sounding. <laughs> uh, There's, like, that childlike quality, like I said, but, again, like, a lot of the spunkiness is lost, which is kind of upsetting, and I had to look up Descendant of Shinobi because I didn't immediately recognize it as Yuffie's theme which you hear you know, a couple times in the game. You first hear it when you uh, defeat her in the forest and when you're deciding whether you're going to bring her into your party in which you have to answer her questions in a very specific, um, not instinctual way, <laughs> otherwise she'll leave and you'll have to fight her again. But uh, yeah, and, it, and it, 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 it's a humorous scene because She's like, yeah, I'm so great. And you're like, eh, yeah, ooh, I'm scared. And she's like, yeah, well, you want me to come with you? And you're just like, nah, not really. We don't need you. Right. So it's like humorous because you have to basically, you know, try to not get her to come with you and then she'll come with you. Um, but it, so it's, it's, it's kind of a humorous scene. And um, this piano version kind of loses that.
0: It's too serious. You saying. it's the album closer too. that's the other thing.
1: Which is a, an odd song for the closure, yeah. the closer, you know? I mean, you'd well, think were, you'd want something you know, more recognizable, something bigger.
0: Yeah, or they just thought they were, you know, they just looked at the, the title tracks and they were go, oh, this, this one will be a nice little upbeat way to end it. And then <laughs> the arrangement was a little different, I guess. But
2: Maybe. Yeah, I
0: don't know. So uh, I guess we'll get to listening to this one. And, um, so it's Final Fantasy Piano Collections, Final Fantasy VII Piano Collections, which was released on December 3rd, 2003. The arrangements were by Shiro Hamaguchi, and the piano was performed by Seiji Honda. So, please enjoy. Thank mm-hmm. you.
2: Thank you for tuning in to the Cinematic Sound Radio Network. I want to thank Tim Burden for providing his
0: voice for all the bumpers and stingers you hear throughout the show, and to David Casina for providing Cinematic Sound Radio's intro music. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, please email us at cinematicsound at yahoo.com. You can find us on social media at SynSound Radio on Twitter, at Cinematic Sound on Facebook, and from wherever you're listening to us today, please leave us a five-star rating and a positive review. Reviews help introduce potential new listeners to the show. While you're at it, head over to T Public to find yourself a Cinematic Sound Radio T-shirt, and support
2: us on Patreon by going to Patreon.com/CinematicSoundRadio. And don't forget to check out Cinematic Sound Radio at CinematicSound.net.